0: Hello and welcome to the Communication Solution Podcast with Casey Jackson and John Gilbert. I'm your host, Danielle Canton. Here at the Institute for Individual and Organizational Change, otherwise known as IFIOC, we love to talk about communication, we love to talk about solutions, and we love to talk about providing measurable results for individuals, organizations, and the communities they serve. Welcome to the communication solution that will change your world.
1: Hey everyone, this is Casey Jackson and this is The Communication Solution. We're missing our trusty sidekick, Danielle, today. Um, But it gives John and I a chance to kind of dive a little bit deeper. Um, So I was thinking about this. There's so many guests that I've had on. You know, I get to talk about my perspective as well too, but I thought it'd be fun to uh, have a chance for people to get to know John a little bit better. So I'm going to dive in and and uh, start to pick his little brain apart and and let you experience that wild, wacky, wonderful world that happens inside of John John Gilbert's brain. And um
2: as, I'm going to interrupt to say, as an out loud processor, I'm a little afraid of what's about to happen since I didn't know you were going to ask me about this. So I'm exactly. A little- a little afraid of what's going to be processed out loud and how long and how many words that's going to take. But uh, I am going to be conscientious of that and try to have some level of empathy for anyone that actually cares to listen to this.
1: All right. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, the the biggest thing for me, you know, John and I have known each other for well over 10 years now. And, um, you know, he was a, a grad student, you know, in his Master's program, looking at you know healthcare, and nutrition, and all the things that he's obsessed with, and we crossed paths, and there was kind of an immediate connection in terms of our desire to work with people um, and help to kind of help the world a better place. And I was coming from the mental health and emotional health side of the world, and John was coming from more of the healthcare side of the world. So, John, what when you saw you know you saw the the, the poster for me doing an MI training, you know, you kind of wandered down there you and I connected. What was your fascination with behavior change at that point in your kind of academic side of your career? I mean, what, what, what triggered you that you became that obsessed? You actually followed it into a, a training room uh, to find out what's going on. Uh,
2: seemingly logic, but it's probably not that simple That's what I've learned from human behavior change and, and psychology. Um, but I want to give some credit where it's due leading up to that, where, uh, Judy, Judith Knuth, who is an exercise clinical exercise physiologist, um, and she with American college of sports medicine, she was one of my professors that introduced me to, um, or instructors that introduced me to motivational interviewing in a course, because the evidence was showing it seemed to be more effective, or at least as effective as other things, um, as an approach. So then. That led me to doing a deep dive on it and writing this big, long paper of how, wow, look at this evidence. Uh, If this was an intervention for a pill or something like that, we would all be using it and uh, we would be using it at the dose that it has been shown to be used. And so it was very logical to me that this is something that would be implemented if it's efficient and effective at helping people. And we would lean into this. And so that's what the paper essentially was about and integrating it into the program more and integrating it into healthcare more. And that is essentially what introduced me. And then I saw signs literally (laughs) on the campus that led to you. And then there seemed to be a good vibe with you. And we were getting along and whatever my name dropping conversation, acting like I knew what I was talking about. And having my own credibility issues, I still to work through. And then from that, uh, you invited me to shadow you. And so then I started to learn more and I started to realize how applicable and how much this can go deeper and be even more effective and how logical it can be. And again, that flow of, of the diagram that you and I were talking about assessment, intervention, when someone's. Right with this there can be here so all of it just stirred up a bunch of stuff in me of just how this could be so helpful in so many different situations to help people with long-term change which then to finally cap this answer is that that is what's at the heart if i wanted to answer this succinctly i would have done that at the beginning (laughs) that's at the heart of what this is all about in healthcare is addressing the underlying cause with lifestyle medicine factors where we could prevent up to, you know, 66 or so percent of cancers. We could prevent nearly all heart disease, nearly all diabetes of type 2 if we just did what we knew was healthy for us. And that's the underlying cause. And that is behavior and behavior change and sustained behavior change.
1: You know, as as we kind of almost retrace your decision tree to what's put you right now, right here in this podcast with your personal and professional, let's just stick with professional development, uh, (laughs) personal development, um, which has had you here. Um, if we trace some of that back, what do you think were some of the most profound shifts or evolutions in your thinking? More purely based around motivational interviewing. I know there's all sorts of supporting theories that you dove into, and you know that I dive into, and but just from that motivational path, or that, or your understanding of human behavior and communication and behavior change, what are a couple of probably the most profound moments in your professional development where it's like, whoa, whoa, like something unlocked, and you have this whole cascade or flood of thoughts that are like wow, this just takes motivation to to another dimension. What were a couple of those moments for you, if you can recall?
2: Gosh, yeah. It's been like 15 years since we've known each other. So there's a long, long (laughs) because you're getting old. (laughs) Uh, Well, um, yeah, I, well, first and foremost, I know you mentioned to mostly stick to MI, but, but, adjacent to MI is something called self-determination theory and it's not <clears throat> the underlying theory for MI MI isn't a theoretical basis all that stuff that if you listen to this podcast probably you've been introduced to that but it's a separate theory on human behavior change i was introduced to that before i was introduced to MI and i was just like blown away by the evidence on that and how much that resonated with me and went to a conference they talked about it I was ambitious and reached out to try to get an, excuse me, internship in New York around this. And like, it was so like blew me away how cool and how effective this could be and how it was so honoring and respectful. And there's something about like the, the way of treating people that really resonated. And that's why I wanted to bring that up. It was the effectiveness and the way of treating and being with people. And I didn't realize until now, looking back, like that's a big thing that resonates with me and, and, you know, motivated reasoning, confirmation bias aside, I look back on my life and I just see how treating others is important <laughs> in a lot of ways. And it relates to you uh, with your path, but mine is a different path. But I'm simply bringing all this up to say that it was a big aha for me is how I treat people. And self-determination theory was a way of in- introducing that. Then smart goals came in, and those are really interesting, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time bound goals. But that wasn't really as, as profound. It was more about effectiveness. It was then yeah. the depth of, of things that, like we've talked about with that uh, social work podcast host on here about empathy and these ways of treating other people. That, that profoundness has continued to sink deeper. In a lot of ways. And one of those ways um, has been uh, values-based thinking that you brought up, looking at core values that cross cultures using the focus yes. mountain. That's been huge yes. in recent, you know, evolution. In the beginning, it was really getting into what the difference is between empathy and reflective listening and kind of yes. that evolution. Um, and also the, the importance of, uh, in later times, Uh, with the webinar you were attending, Effective Psychotherapy, that book, yes on genuineness and how that's really important, that sense of genuineness that people talk about a lot, not M.I.ing each other (laughs) and all that stuff, um, that seems to be really important. So I'll just keep it capped at that. But it's that foundational way of being and treating each other um, that then I've had personal growth on over the years, and still I'm trying to to wrangle that with my over-intellectualizing of everything, and how how to bring those worlds together, Uh, I would say that series of things has been a a few examples.
1: You know, I want to dive a little bit deeper into connecting a couple of these dots. Maybe not as much now. Well, I still think to an extent you are... The word I want to use is singularly, and I think that's not completely accurate, but somewhat accurate uh, in terms of focused on, but what does the research say? Um, You know, your brain just naturally wants to find the root. um, And what does the research say? And one of the things that have been so impactful in our relationship, and it's helped me learn and grow with my own physical health is when you look at the evidence around health outcomes, mental health, emotional health, physical health, when you're talking about heart disease and cancer and all these things that are actually reversible or preventable, um, depending on what stage you grab it, based on the evidence, if if we followed what the evidence showed and operated in line with that, that is a mantra of yours in the healthcare world. I mean, that's, that's what got you into lifestyle medicine. And and as you were following those threads, talk more about that for people that, that don't know it as dimensionally, as you know, like when you look at the, of all the things that kill us, you know, disease, um, what's your, give people some context for that. Like what is, what is the, what does this science and research show us about our choices and our behaviors and lifestyle that affect our outcomes? Okay,
2: yeah, this is like the a huge, huge question. So let me start with a foundation of what you taught me that I didn't include in the last answer that is probably even more profound than anything. I can't believe it didn't come to mind at that time. and bring that into this answer as the foundation to this answer because it's going to matter more than all the what's and hows as you say on the focus mountain. <laughs> It's that you, when we were on the plane, I don't know, a few months ago or whatever, we were talking about what it means to take someone's autonomy from them and who are you to do that. And I was just like, oof, even after all these years of training, it's like, we're going to be talking about curriculum revamping and getting out of the lyrics versus, you know, the melody and trying to balance those things as, as Dr. William Miller talked about in MI. It's that genuineness that we're talking about. I was talking about earlier. It's that not acting like you're above and taking someone's autonomy that I wanted to highlight as like, whoa, that's big. That's huge for how I treat you. Now I can know all this stuff, but I just want to highlight how important that is leading into all this stuff. Because just because I know some of the things I could answer here, does it really matter to you? (laughs) There's a slim slice of the population in a certain age group, tending to be male, tending to be of a certain age group that watches YouTube people, 18 or under that watch, you know, TikTok and, and all these people that are exposed to all this information of different kinds that want to just feel good and be happier and healthier that there's people trying to make money off of them to do that. And attention and all this stuff and so i just am getting at like i'm not the person to try to take that person's autonomy from them at a certain point though there's a certain level of what is our environment influencing us with our autonomy and how much is our sovereignty being taken from us to think that we're actually finding truth when we're finding a way to give someone attention that makes money off of us or vice versa or or all sorts of things. So I just want to highlight how important that is to then get into, if you trust someone like you're asking me, then I can treat you in a way that's respectful to not take your autonomy away and then mention things like how you can reduce your risk of stroke by a massive degree reduce your risk of heart attack by a massive degree reverse your type 2 diabetes that we now know is the cause with liver fat that we can do in a relatively short period of time we can do a lot for your health and now there's even more coming out on slowing aging with things like low-dose rapamycin and things that will be coming on in the next few years so all of those things can be interesting, but I have found that the things you and I talk about here seem to be intriguing to a lot more people. Unless you're super into health, and then it yes. becomes, as you taught me, Charlie Brown teacher. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I can I can get more into that. If you want to get into that, but I think I'm just trying to think of this podcast and and anyone that wants to listen, if they they want, we can we can dive into to research on that. And totally geek out. I just want to say that that, that whole foundation to all that seems to be really important to be aware of that as someone that tries to help someone else.
1: You know, I, I'm going to go a little bit down this uh, rabbit hole because of the, just the stream of thoughts that I've had around it as you were talking. What I think what is so understandable but so painful at the same time with where our at least our mainstream American culture is, I see it. I see it with the difference between wanting to help people and wanting to monetize people. And the information, like you're saying, people want to feel good. They want to be part of something that makes them feel good, even if it's literally killing them. Because the information that even my daughters talk about, who are 14, on TikTok, as if it's fact, because somebody that has no education or information but it's just espousing opinions if it's a, if it's fact, but then there's news stations that do that as well too. So it's like, it's not just a youth thing. There's just so much misguided because people want to hear what they want to hear, which is where you and I've talked about confirmation bias. And they only want the sources are going to reinforce the things that make them feel good and make them feel better than even though literally it is killing them and anesthetizing them from what's going to help them feel truly healthier and happier. And I have to get this out because then my anxiety comes up in terms of like, oh, my God, are we becoming the matrix? Which makes me nervous because are we just going to be batteries plugged into our phones that, you know, don't think for ourselves? Our bodies are and our brains are going to atrophy uh, because we're not using our bodies and our brains to their maximum capacity. And it's like, then why are we alive? Why are we physical and human if we're not going to maximize our our growth and our health and our healing that we that we have? And I think that's what's so fascinating with what you're talking about on a health side of it. Because, you know, I this was so fascinating to me about the amount of research that's been put into research, the amount of money. Let me say that the amount of money that's been put into disinformation intentionally. So people are easier to control. And I think this gets into things we were talking about earlier about sovereignty and autonomy and self-determination, that motivational interviewing, it is not motivational interviewing if it is not that. Um, So how do we engage the personhood of another human being so they can be everything that they want to be in a way that's going to advance their outcomes as they define them and as they define themselves? I mean, that's just... Really complex. So that whole part that you're talking about of, I I know the amount of data you have in your brain. I know that I know as Casey, if I listened and followed all the data that you have in your brain, I know I'd be healthier. And I follow maybe 40% of it, of all the things you share, which I know is better than many people you know but then it's like why don't i follow 100% of the things that i know that john knows like those things fascinate me and i think and i'm ahead of the game for so many people because health is so important to me and other people just want to be plugged in it's just like just tell me what i want to hear and make me feel good even if it's killing me like i just that whole string <laughs> of thought as you're talking is just like wow that's just how how do you get off that that merry-go-round or that carousel it's just like wow that's yes. that's a one.
2: Oh, I love it. Yes. Yeah, so this is part of, this is one of the big reasons why you and I connect is because we love this stuff. <laughs> this is the stuff that if anyone's listening to this right now, they probably want to geek out on this stuff too, because first and foremost, I, I got to highlight that there's a book called the age of misinformation that I highly suggest that is really helpful about, and there's, there's other people I can point to because I just listened you know, to books all over these years of training and, traveling and all this stuff. And that's one big one, the age of misinformation I would throw out there that addresses what you're talking about in a lot of ways. But what you're bringing up, Casey, is just, okay, so we're in this place of, I can know a lot or be exposed to a lot. And then there's my life. (laughs) And there's what I want, which is I want Maslow's hierarchy of feeling safe, feeling good, uh, feeling like, well, I'm getting a little bit, okay, I was getting a little bit of echo, okay. Um, I was feeling into um, Maslow's hierarchy of we all want these core things as humans, that seems to be true from a humanistic perspective of psychology. And then as you start to look at different cultures around the world, including ours, you start to see how much our environments shape us, and there's a book called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, by Daniel Kahneman, and a modern day legend in psychology, and just to show how emotional we are versus rational, and how our we'd like to believe our character would go against certain things, but how our environment shapes us, and I don't, it's not meaning to turn into resistance talk and am and start to blame outside ourselves. But really to recognize things outside ourselves really influence our thinking, our cultural constructivism, um, the issues with equal opportunity or not, like in our country with race or gender or other issues, that all of this is so much bigger than just MI, but MI gives us a, a sort of telescope lens into treating others in certain ways that has more of an objective truth to it than anything else we know to treat people in these ways that seems to help, that is ideally not being used to try to make money off of a bunch of people by making people more efficient and effective to just make money for the agency or whatever it is, but trying to treat people in these ways so that there can be this sense of happier and healthier that you were alluding to, to not turn into an AI matrix. (laughs) of the future of the world because yes. we could know all this stuff and there's a whole uh, hour long thing i did um for for EWU class that we were we were working with for who to trust and how to trust why to trust who to trust how to trust and it's a whole long thing that basically gets into it's difficult and our environment yeah. makes us want the incredible immediate delightful dopamine seeking and then awesome hits of constant stimulation and something new all the time but you know as, as a wonderful coach once said one time it's it was something like the dentist can find that cavity behind your teeth and be like the the oh crap or aha and therapy as you you would find but it's the brushing of the teeth that's the hard part day in <laughs> and day out and i just want to point to that is the hard part, and that's the part where MI comes in, and that's the part to bring this full circle, where culture and your environment come in. So we need policy, we need environmental policy and things that help create a container of a different culture. We also need motivational interviewing or things like it, not just the feel good philosophy, but the combination of how it dignifies how you treat others and then how it helps them with change and can help with a larger change for which if you care about loving kindness or any of these concepts, uh, there's a book that William Miller wrote on it, you would care about what we're talking about here for how the evolution of humanity happens.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I think that's what's so fascinating. I think that's partially where we get attention for the training that we do and the feedback. I know for myself my evolution in even training and my obsession with motivational interviewing and the, and the theoretical constructs that parallel motivational interviewing as a, as a method is I've evolved so much away from teaching and so much into trying to evoke from people, what do you want to learn? And I think that's, you know, now having had way more than 10,000 hours of training, you know, probably 50 or 60,000 hours of training am I My comfort level is so high with the dimensionality of it that I just don't want to teach anybody. I just want to find out what do they want to learn and how it applies to their own life. And I think it's discombobulating and a little startling for people when I just keep trying to evoke from them. But what do you want to learn? And they're like, well, what are we supposed to learn? What are you supposed to teach us? And it's like, what do you want to learn? Like, how do you want to apply this to your own life personally or professionally to have a profound impact? I mean, it's literally the communication solution, our podcast is a communication solution something that will change your world it, and you and i know this intimately how much it's changed our worlds um personally and professionally
2: and how much feedback exactly we get anecdotally from other people and then how the research yeah. supports that and we could point to books that people in the mi world yeah. and my professionals yeah. it takes five to ten years and then also and it's like this deep profound thing yeah it's not just us yeah. it's so many people
1: it's it and i think this is where it's the same thing like how as professionals, do we engage the brain sitting across from us in a way that's not a TikTok or an Instagram, that it really is a human evocation and introduction to who are you? You know, Do you know who you are? Do you know who you want to be aside from all the things that you think you want to be because you see what other people are doing or getting from being this way, which is that whole environmental influence you're talking about. And it's like, how do we how do we stunt that process to help people engage in something from a self-determination perspective? I mean, this is these are why you and I can get into you know <laughs> day-long, hour-long conversations about these things because it's just it does get to the root of why are we here and what are we trying to accomplish? And and as professionals, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> whatever that word means, um, <laughs> like when we interact with other people, either as trainers or as practitioners. We really genuinely want the best for people, and it's it's not about the monetization of it. It's about the the human connection, the human kindness, and that growth potential that gives purpose, you know, mm-hmm. beyond monetization. I think this is why it's so wildly difficult to do in something that's such a heavily capitalistic society. And it's not pro capitalism, con capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's just incredibly hard to do within that environment when everything our society has just evolved that everything can be monetized every single thing every part of your body can be monetized everything in your around you can be monetized it's just like whoa it just can't even be back to the nostalgia of you know a neighbor mowing their lawn next to another neighbor it's just like those things how do we monetize that even you
2: know, it's, just, <laughs> yeah, it's so sad but it's so true well yeah i mean what's what's coming to mind and flowing through for this that that there's a, a one of my all time favorite books. Just it's called "The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know Is Possible" uh, by Charles Eisenstein, and he's evoking and and bringing up ideas to contemplate, and doesn't try to add credibility of social credibility or anything. And the reason it relates to what you're talking about, Casey, is it's this place of what is this more beautiful that we're seeking? What beauty are we seeking? And how do we evolve into this? Um, And what you're bringing about is something that he talks about, which is the story of separation or the story of connection. And you could get into, well, is that a core value? And you could start to define it. Like I tend to break it down intellectually and blah, 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 blah. But if you just get into what it's getting at, it's getting into like what I'd mentioned before with Dr. William Miller's book on loving kindness. Uh, these more uh, ways of looking at from these past wisdom traditions, you could look at Hinduism and other, other things as well. But that bring together, how am I treating you? How am I seeing you? How am I treating you? How am I being? Not what am I having or how am I looking? Yes. How am I being? And this is where we get into things that other researchers with the flow state talk about and all these things If whether we're talking about sports, a conversation like this, sex or whatever it's going to be. It tends to be when we're focused with the other person in this, this state and this sense of no thing, nothing, this, this timelessness, this sense of that. And so we don't need to open up the whole can on it, but it is to say that there seems to be a there there by either anecdotal reports over history and recent research with the book Effective Psychotherapy, that treating each other this way seems to matter beyond all the information. And if we can treat people this way and have more likelihoods, which is what science is, better nuanced, and I should say better, more grounded, nuanced information, just like happened with the COVID pandemic and treating people as people, giving them likelihoods and nuance, but doing it in a way that treats them this way, that is essentially where I've kind of come full circle, as I know we're coming to a close here, but of, of trying to bring these worlds together of recognizing I'm my own person. I'm not for a lot of people, I've realized. I'm for certain kinds of people. Hopefully, uh, you know, I I've, I've continue to find those people. But that I can try to bring these worlds of your level of like, empathy and compassion and things that i'm i'm more emotionally integrating in my life with this intellectualism and this groundedness and nuance to try to bring these worlds together so that like that age of misinformation book somehow help with mainstream and culture and helping people more and not going where i was going to go to bring this back to your original question which is into sports psychology and sports performance with professional soccer teams and reaching out and volunteering for the Sounders before they were M, and then recognizing I'd be helping the slim slice of the population get that much better. Slim slice, slim little bits versus like helping people, even if it's at some, you know, other cost, some, you know, sense of whatever for me that it matters more. And I think that's the key. And so I'll I'll shut up with that, but that ultimately, hopefully that resonates for a sense of my background and a sense of agreeing with you that this is really important to do this work.
1: You know, this, John, is exactly why, um, it didn't matter what question I asked you, we were going to get to why John got involved in motivation. So it didn't matter what rabbit hole we went down, people were going to get a little taste of how John's brain works. Uh, And... And his obsession. So I really didn't care which question I asked. All of you were going to get a little exposure to that wild and wonderful brain of John Gilbert. So (laughs) it didn't didn't really matter. And this was absolutely perfect. It was a perfect slice. Um, I hope people continue to listen. This is one of my favorite things to do. Is to have you know not only being able to talk to one of my best friends in the world, John, but to I have other people that just love talking about these things, um, you know, all within the realm of healthy communication, but how do we do this really effectively and efficiently in a way that helps the world around us? And that's, that's our obsession with finding a communication solution and and talking about that. So really appreciate your time, really appreciate people who choose to tune in. And and I hope this has value added to your life. Uh, everybody take care. Thank you. Bye everyone. Yeah. Bye everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to the communication solution podcast with Casey Jackson and John Gilbert. As always, this podcast is about empowering you on your journey to change the world. So if you have questions, suggestions, or ideas, send them our way at casey at ifioc.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y at ifioc.com. For more information or to schedule a training, visit ifioc.com. Until our next communication solution podcast, keep changing the world.